Your personal brand starts with your appearance, and what you wear says everything about you to others. You've heard a dress for the job you want? Well, we're talking to fashion experts on creating an authentic look to attract the life you want on the Style Interpreted Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arnsey. Welcome to the Style Interpreted Podcast. Today I'm joined by Promiti Prosan, founder and designer at Cha Latte. Promiti, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. No, I'm super excited. I mean, just a uh, just a, an amazing person, energy from what I've seen so far, from what I got to know you, and so I'm really excited to know you more and, and just continue to have you be a part of this community. Oh yes. So tell me, um, originally from Bangladesh, yes, moved to Canada when you were five. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that journey and just how you know what it was like to be Promiti uh, in Canada at five years old and on before oh you moved gosh. to Chicago. Yeah, it was. I mean, let me think back, but it was quite a while ago. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was, you're, you're moving to a whole new world, so you're leaving behind everything you know. It's, there's so many challenges that come with that, especially when you're just a child. Like, you're, you're taught one thing at home, you're taught one, another thing when you're in school or amongst, like, your friends. So it was constantly a battle between identities almost. Yeah. Um, but you kind of navigate through it, and you grow up um, realizing that that gives you a different perspective in life and a richness to who you are. So um, I love Canada. I miss home so much. Um, I grew up in Toronto um, and there's just so much diversity in Toronto. So I I love that um, a lot of people around you are going through the same journey. Um, And it gives me like now when I'm older, I'm 35 years old. I love having, you know, um, a story that stems beyond just North America. Yeah, for sure. No. And, you know, I think what I'm hearing, too, is just uh, it kind of almost helps develop that personality required to do what you do and yeah. to make those leaps and to, you know, be uncomfortable and totally. to, yeah, like just be, be, be okay with those things, right? I think the biggest thing that um, I got in terms of like personality characteristics is adaptability. Right. Um, so I would go back to um, Bangladesh every summer, every other summer up until I, th- I was in my mid-teens. And... Um, I remember like going there. It's such a drastic change in environment, um, but you would just adapt so quickly. Like I, I, me and my sister both would just kind of like as soon as we landed, it was like okay, we snap into this different version of ourselves. Um, so it's like it, it just gives you that skill set to like really adapt back and forth. Absolutely no, and I think so many people get pigeonholed into being a certain way, and they're very rigid and. They wonder why their experiences are so different than someone like you, yeah. right? Um, I guess on that note, what, what what do you say to people or how when they see that and they see this, the way that you approach life and, and maybe they are more rigid like that, what advice would you give to being more like that as a way to connect with people more? Yeah, I think you just have to like meet more people and hear their stories and experience them on your own. I think like the easiest way to kind of like build that adaptability um, and gain some perspective is travel. And now that, you know, the world is kind of (laughs) back to traveling, it's like the easiest way to kind of like get uncomfortable and (laughs) get out there and meet new people and just experience different things. I think, um, I mean, it's a common saying, like when you're uncomfortable, you're growing. And 
travel, I think, is like the easiest way to do that. A hundred percent. No, a hundred percent. So tell me a little bit about just the the, the background, because I know fashion wasn't um, more of a newer thing, right? That that totally. came out. Mm-hmm. So you were in food marketing professionally yes, yeah. before you started this. Yeah. Tell me about the the professional side of things. Was, was fashion something that you were into as a kid? You know, when when did you develop that, and what made you go into the like food marketing versus yeah pursuing fashion early on? Yeah. Um, so I think. Um, as I mentioned, I was going back to Bangladesh every other summer. So I was very much exposed to South Asian fashion. And it, it, it was part of my life growing up. Um, it's so easy to like have tailored clothes made there. Like you, I would design my own stuff and um, have it made. Um, so it was kind of like something I was just used to when I was younger. But it was never something I would think about pursuing as a career. Um, fast forward, I did my MBA in Paris. So I was oh, wow. exposed to a whole Look different Yeah, I was exposed to a whole different world there and, and fashion is just so part of Paris. So um, maybe it planted a seed somewhere along that journey. Um, and when I got back to Canada, I just ended up having this awesome job at Tim Hortons, which is like synonymous synonymous with like patriotism in Canada almost. Back in the day it was at least. Um, and so I just love that brand. Um, and so I started working in food and somehow I just kind of like stuck with it. Um, and there's very few companies in Canada that are headquartered there. So I wanted something that was headquartered there because then you're making more decisions. Um, so I love marketing. I kind of ended up kind of stuck in food and it wasn't until 2017 where I was like um I think I had like this idea that was like there for a while but I started jotting it down um in my notepad I still have it oh that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah and I add to it from time to time still but it was this idea of um you know bringing um South Asian fashion to North America in a much more accessible way so when I was growing up like I had a ton of traditional clothes that had like this amazing um, craftsmanship from South Asia, whether it's embroidery or mirror work or like handlooms. Um, and I was going to a lot of traditional events growing up, so I had the opportunity to wear them. But um, as I kind of like got older, there's like fewer and fewer opportunities to wear them. So they're kind of just hanging in my closet. And it was at that point where I was just like, why is it just waiting there? Like there's so much beauty in the work that's happening. Um, back home, but like not in a format that I could wear every day. So that was kind of the idea behind Chalate is to take like the the amazing work that happens in South Asia um, by these um, like skilled artisans and just making it in a format that's more um, wearable here in North America and making it accessible for anybody of any background. So it, it's like um, a way to like not have it shout, you know, like certain styles or like um, traditional aspects of um, South Asian fashion, but just in a way that, you know, I'm wearing it today. So no, it's beautiful. <laughs> I love your design. It's very beautiful, Thank very you. elegant, very chic. Yeah. Um, and why do you think that is? Why do you, do you think that a lot of times because of Western culture being so, I guess, um, it's everywhere, right? In terms of media. And, and it seems to be that it, that that is what people, wherever you're at in the world, see or, you know, it's not that they see other uh, parts of the world, the U.S. or you know, Western culture seems to be very prevalent everywhere, mm-hmm. and and yet Southeast Asia has the largest populations in the world, right? Yeah. Why why do you think that is that when there isn't that presence and and you know when people come here as immigrants, is it is it more so that they embrace the the Western culture and then kind of 
lose a little bit of that when they come yeah. here wanting to fit in? Why, wh- like, what's your take on I why that? I think like you, when you, s- it's so prevalent, like Western culture is so prevalent everywhere. Like my parents grew up watching shows. Right. Um, so it's kind of like what you see is um, what you adapt to almost. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think um, adapting to where you are is you have to do it. Otherwise, like. You're not. You're also being like very stringent or like rigid in who you should become or can become. Um, I think like that is the benefit of having you know ethnicities um, uh, and backgrounds from other places and bringing it into North America. We're also enriching the culture here. Um, so I think it's just like taking that initiative to kind of hold on to where you're coming from or what you um, bring to the table, and then a- adapting it in a way that is making it more biteable or digestible for. Our lives here. Yep, um, absolutely. So when you think about incorporating that, like what what is your design product? Like take take me through kind of that <laughs> creative process, right? Of of taking those things that you see and incorporating into things because I mean it is beautiful and it is there is a difference that you can tell, but it's not like it's it's all all that you see. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's not the whole um, look yeah. of, of a traditional look. Yeah. It's incorporating aspects of it, right? Totally. Into what is already existing here. Yeah, and I think like so. I, I like when you think about South Asian fashion, oftentimes what you hear is like it's really colorful, it's really bold, it's really like mm-hmm. extravagant. And I think there's just so much beauty in South Asian fashion that's subtle. And it's like about the laborious craft that goes behind making these clothes. Um, so I think like, for example, I'm from Bangladesh and Jamdani is a type of like hand loom and hand weaving that's... Um, just so tasteful and just like very subtle, very like classy. And it's, it is one of the most laborious crafts in, mm. in textile fashion. So I, I just love like the idea behind like what goes into making something that's not in your face, not too loud. Um, and so I wanted to create, um, take those things, take the, those elements of the fashion um, design process and, and bring it into something that's a little bit more, you know, um, in a form that's something that we can wear every day here. Yeah. So my process is kind of taking like what I love about South Asian fashion and and whether it's like taking inspiration from what's already in my closet, but putting it into a form that's, you know, um, that I can wear to date night or, you know, I can look at architecture. I v- went to um, India and Bangladesh back in February when I was designing the first collection um, last year. Was it last year? Yes, last year. Um, and I took so much inspiration from like the architecture and like just the people, what they wore on the streets. So, uh, but bringing elements of that back to something that's more relevant for a North American lifestyle. So, yeah. And I got to say, um, you recently had uh, a baby, yes. a five month old daughter, right? Yeah. How do you balance all that oh with being able to do that and just yeah. take me kind of the behind the scenes stuff? I mean, that's mm-hmm. your process, but how do you make time for that and oh, have geez. that balance? Because one of the things that we had talked about was just how you want to be intentional about when you're with your daughter, that mm-hmm. you're with your daughter. You're not thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tell me, how, how do you balance it? And It's, I mean, Tony, it's so it's so tough. Like, it's the, the hardest thing probably I've done in a very long time. Um, I was pregnant when I launched the brand. I was pregnant when I designed the second collection. And now I have, I was, you know, I had a newborn when I launched the second collection. So it's definitely, like, as a, like when you're having a baby as a woman you go through so many changes 
it's you know physical of course like there's a, a ton of physical changes there's a ton of emotional changes there's a ton of like your brain changes so there's just so much to navigate when you're especially a first time mom and i'm 35 so having a baby a little bit later in life is you're you know you're stuck in your ways you you have a way of how you live your life and then suddenly it's just like flipped upside down so that in itself is so challenging to navigate and i and i don't think um, it gets talked about enough. Um, and then you throw a new business in the mix and it's just chaos. So there were nights where I remember like I would feed my daughter at like three in the morning with one hand. I'm answering emails, like coordinating production oh my with India with my left hand and maybe like doing laundry with my feet. I don't know. Um, so it's it was like so challenging. And um, I was constantly kind of like thinking about 17 different things. Um at once and there was just I put a lot of pressure on myself to like not pause on the business because I just wanted to keep going um, I made this decision to like you know quit my job and and like jump in and I'm not going to stop um, when I was just you know getting started so I put a lot of pressure on myself um, but there was this I think it was like this one night where I was feeding um, my baby and she has this way of like staring into your soul <laughs> when you're like feeding her she's like boring into you know my eyes and I'm just like it's almost like I heard her say like mom what are you doing like pay attention to me like I and it was in that moment where I was like if I don't kind of slow down when I'm doing certain things like when I'm feeding her I need to concentrate on like being with her and spending time with her and when I'm not, then I need to like fully concentrate on what I'm doing. I was missing out on like the small joys in both work, both home, both like work, um, sorry, baby. And so I just needed to like be present. Um, otherwise, like this season of my life, which definitely is like one of the most challenging is just going to fly by and I'm going to miss all of the like small accomplishments, which end up being like the bigger accomplishments later on in life. So and it's having your priorities straight, totally. you know, all of that. And I got to say, too, that you're, you're, you had no background in this. So <laughs> while you had the idea, you started jotting down these notes, right? It, it wasn't until about 2018 that you actually started maybe you know, putting that into practice. But even then, to have launched your first collection then, right, it's, you're still having to go through the process of learning the, oh, yeah. the business side of things and the marketing side of things. As much as you have that background, yeah. it's a totally different animal at that point Absolutely. To, to be in fashion. And, you know, some of these things that you get approached like fashion shows and like, so it's totally different, right? Yeah. It's a very different world. How did you, I guess, approach that? And what advice would you give to like, especially moms, right? That, yeah. that they've a lot of times feel like, oh, I can't I have to pick this or but, you know, one, to be self-aware, or maybe not self-aware, your daughter seems like she was <laughs> communicating <laughs> yeah. those piercing looks, right? <laughs> but yeah, how, how did you approach not getting overwhelmed yeah. even from that perspective of, it's not like you just have this and it's innate to you. You're still having to learn these things. Oh, absolutely. And there's like so much to learn uh, on the technical side of fashion, on like the jargon. Um, I would say like, sometimes not thinking too much is the best way to go about it. You just kind of jump in. Um, I definitely, like, when I was making the decision, I there were nights where I was just like, what am I thinking about? Like, how, how can I expect myself to, like, do a good job if I have zero background in it? I don't actually know what I'm doing. Um, but then at that point, like, you kind of reach out for help. You talk to people um, who have, you know, 
paved their way in fashion. Um, I spoke to a lot of people. I had help from um, a fashion studio um, based in Chicago, Hovit Studio, who kind of helped me launch my first collection. So, um, you know, getting help is definitely like key and also not thinking too much because if you do, you're just going to keep thinking. And and I think like I probably um, would have started a long time ago, like way more like I, I probably took four years too long in doing this. If I, you know, didn't think as much, I would have done it sooner. And taking that first step is like one of the hardest parts. Um, and not to say like the journey afterwards is really hard too. Like there are lots of moments where I'm like in tears because, you know, I thought it was going to go differently or, you know, things didn't go out, go the way that I, you know, wanted it to go. But then there are moments where it's just like so rewarding because I chose to do this. I'm diving in and um, there's so many like small moments of like joys and wins. Um, but yeah, like don't think too much. Just take that first step and make it a big step because once you make a big step, everything kind of like propels and you just have to go keep going. My big step was like signing um, the contractor that I was t- telling you, like the the studio. And after that, I couldn't go back on my decision. So you just got to make the, like that one big step and then it just like kind of snowballs. Yeah, and absolutely. you learn along the way. Like I took um, a couple of courses at SAIC, which is the Art Institute of Chicago, and just to make sure like I actually liked fashion. Um, and I did. I loved it. And so, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. No. And as we talked about earlier, it's just when you talk, think about the tears and you think of the frustration and the, the doubt and, you know, all those things that sit in, you start to realize that that is uh, the entrepreneurial journey that you're not alone in that like that's what everyone can relate to isn't oh someone just made it and they just were successful is absolutely how many times did they get knocked down how many times did something not work out or go the way you thought it would right and i think um having this like expectation that you will have to pivot is really important um because absolutely, like, in today's world, I think social media kind of makes it seem like everything's, like, so easy. Right. It's not. Like, it's so hard. And you cannot expect to succeed. Like, maybe you do, and it's that's fabulous. But reality is most times you're not going to succeed right away. It's going to take a lot of work um, in various ways and a lot of sacrifices in various ways. And it'll be so challenging, but you have to learn to pivot. And when it doesn't work, you just keep going. Persistence is like so key. Um, So I made some of those promises to myself before I started the brand was, if it doesn't work, I'm going to pivot. And I just have to keep going. Like I can't give up because um, if I do, I'm not going to reach that point where it like starts to turn, you know? Would you say that's the biggest takeaway you've learned so far? Or if not, what is the thing that you've learned the most through this journey? I think one of the things, like those things for sure, um, but one of the key things that I learned is like you can't do it alone. Like you really need um, people supporting you, people helping you learn from people that have gone down a similar path. Um, there, you can't like there's there's this. Um, it's easy to almost like silo yourself when you're starting to build a brand because um, for some, like for me, I like I thought about failure a lot, like what will people say? And like, what if it doesn't go well? I'm exposing myself to a lot of like criticism and opinions. And so sometimes you start the business and you're just kind of like doing it on your own. And like, this is the direction I want to go and I'm not going to listen to other people or else you might get swayed. But there re- there comes a point where you need to shift that attitude and, and really reach out to other people. Um, maybe not for their opinion, but like 
for you know information like how did they do it like what do you what do they think that you should be doing and just learning from people because there's a wealth of knowledge out there and um, also like you'll be surprised how supportive people can be um, the right people right because sometimes exactly, yeah and you have to find that mm-hmm, it's yeah. not just about like, blindly right because mm-hmm. that's a lot of times is I think you hear that with whether it be family or people that are close to you usually it's imposing their fears on you like oh we don't want you to fail what yeah. if it does like mm-hmm. but it's finding the people who are comfortable with failure exactly. and saying like this is what you need to do right yeah and like surrounding yourself with the people that um, are going to encourage you like I grew up my dad was an entrepreneur my husband's an entrepreneur I have my closest friends in Chicago um, are entrepreneurs and so like I surrounded myself with all of their talk and all of their walks and so it was like super encouraging to me to be around people like that who kind of like believed in you and pushed you forward um, so I think that's really important too and what's the biggest problem that you've had to overcome through all this um, I would say like just believing in myself <laughs> Really? Believe it or not, yeah. You seem it's, like you like completely do. I, I, there are many days where I do, but there are many days I don't. Um, you know, you go through imposter syndrome. Like I went through it. I still go through it. Um, you know, when I was starting this, it's like I'm not a fashion designer. Like, who do I think I am? But like, you have to kind of get over that and the fear of like failure, the fear fear of what will people say. Um, and think is like huge because you can't really succeed today in like the fashion world without really being out there. Like social media is huge. And so I had to really put myself out there and that's very uncomfortable for me. Um, And so that was like the biggest thing I had to overcome is like, I had to get over it. I had to like put my face on Instagram. I had to like, you know, talk to people and tell them like I'm doing this without like fearing um, what will they say or like, you know, so definitely like getting over that imposter syndrome is not easy, but it's, um, it's something like I work on every day. And, and I think you kind of see that a lot in the fashion industry where these designs that come out that don't make it to the shelves, but they're wild, they're, they're yeah. very extravagant. And I think they, they're the ones that get probably the most criticism or most attention, but what is uh, reward without the risk right? yeah. of, of, of subjecting yourself to mm-hmm. that kind of criticism? Now, as far as the fashion itself, you're really catering to like uh, mid 20s to mid 40s, right? Yeah. What was the idea behind that and in, in creating a specific you know line for women of that demographic? I think I was just honestly, I started the brand like thinking about what I would wear. Um, I made it kind of like if I would wear it, then I'm going to love talking about it and I'm going to love sharing it with people of similar backgrounds or like um, um, like passions. Um, I think like the idea behind the brand is to make it um, make South Asian craft more accessible to people in North America, whether like whether you're from that background or not. It's just about like if you have a love for art, a love for culture, a love, you know, for diversity and in your fashion and your music and what you're eating, um, just an appreciation for different cultures and backgrounds and and all of the work that goes um, behind certain things um, that doesn't necessarily have to be from your you know, like within your vicinity or like your country. So um, I think that was, yeah, that, that was kind of where it started. And, and just you know, on, on the background of, of being in marketing, what what are those things that you've had to adapt, learn or incorporate into marketing now, a fashion brand that, you you know, you could share for others who 
Because I'm sure it's very challenging. It's, it's challenging. Like, it can't, be, it can't be easy. It's And it's very different when you're coming from a corporate background yeah. to going to a very small background or business where, you know, the resources are completely different. So this is self-funded. I, like, saved up my entire career <laughs> to do this. And so... Um, it's every dollar needs to be really stretched. And so you have to be strategic in how you spend your money. And marketing is such a huge part of it. Like once you get your product, that's all it is. Like you have to get it in the right hands or be seen by the right people. Um, otherwise, you're not going to succeed because you're just talking to a, a group of people that, you know, might is not your right audience. Um, so marketing is the way to do that. And it's like you have to be strategic about where you place your dollar. It's about, you know, choosing the right people to put your clothes on, um, choosing the right influencers, making sure that they're aligned to your brand. And, and so you're reaching the right people. Um, having an engaged community to talk to. And, and when you're small, you, you don't have that yourself. You have to build it. And so you do that through other people who have already um, built a, an audience that, is very engaged. So picking the right people to kind of like showcase your brand and getting your, the right support um, behind your brand, I think is important. And, and when you're starting out that way, I mean, you are your brand, right? That Absolutely. no one knows your brand, but they know you. Yeah. And you have to introduce that. When 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 you first start out, what is that like that journey between the personal brand and, and you know, your, your clothing line brand that it kind of like all of a sudden changes? Or, or is there a tipping point where now it's not promiti, but it's cha latte. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to start talking about it like a brand that's um, distinct from who you are. But like, I mean, it comes through like it's the voice, it's the, you know, the colors or fonts or like the style of the brand. It all kind of um, stems from who you are as a person um, and your personality. But I mean, when it I is talk, you, right? It is me. And but when I talk about cha latte, it's not me. Like when I talk about cha latte, it's very much for the audience and, and the type of woman that's buying my clothes. Um, so you just kind of have to, like, from the beginning, separate yourself from it. But when somebody meets me, they're like, oh, this is you. <laughs> like, you know, it's very much me. Well, and especially as you're saying, right, that you would, you're making the clothes for what, something you would wear mm -hmm. that you can be excited about. It. Exactly. Now, tell me about the, the vision for the future. What can we expect? What can we hope for? Support you in? Like, yeah. What does that look like for you? Oh, my God. There's so much exciting stuff coming up. Um, I'll be in New York next month. Can't talk about it yet, but <laughs> <laughs> that's coming. That's really exciting. Um, there's more pieces coming out soon as part of the collection that I just launched two weeks ago um, and just a lot more coming down the road so follow us on Instagram <laughs> to stay you know in tune with the journey and you'll be hearing more about my brand I'm sure yeah and on that note tell us where we can find you on uh, Instagram on yes. all the social media website all of the above yes Instagram is the main platform so at cha underscore latte c-h-a-a underscore latte um, and then our website is um, for sale, so it's an e-com site, so go check out the products. There's description on the new collection and just all the fun details, so that's uh, at www.chalate.com. And I got to ask, last question, what, um, what inspired the name? Oh, well, so this is... It's so like I get um, confusion on the name all the time because they're like, is it a, you know, are you selling chai? Are you, um, I often like serve champagne when I'm doing like an in event, in person events. So they're like, is this a champagne company? <laughs> but no, it's a fashion brand. But the story behind the name is so cha, which is uh, tea or chai, is very intrinsic to South Asian culture. Like it's so important to um, everyday life. Uh, you'll find it in like, 
the most expensive hotels to like shacks on the street. People will be drinking cha. And um, today you can go into any like any cafe and order a cha latte, which is kind of an adaptation of that Eastern um, cultural, you know, intrinsic thing that is cha. So um, I think that's it's just like a, a blend of both worlds. And so that's kind of reflective of um, what I'm trying to do with the brand. No, oh, it's beautiful. And I love your story. You're amazing. You know, I really appreciate you being here and just letting us be a part of your journey and can't wait to, you know, connect more. Yeah, thank you so much, Tony. Thanks for having me. Yeah.